Welcome to Learning with Lisa, Student Success Beyond Expectations podcast with Lisa Navarra, award-winning educator, consultant, behavior specialist, author, and parent. This podcast provides support for school leaders, educators, and parents. We share and discuss evidence-based resources that are embedded in social and emotional learning to meet the needs of students who struggle focusing and learning. Teachers and parents find information and strategies to improve students' academic, behavioral, and social-emotional performance. It's time to turn kids from I can't into I can. Welcome to Student Success Beyond Expectations. Today, we have Gianna. Gianna has been diagnosed with Tourette's syndrome since she's been eight years old. She has embraced having Tourette's and has dedicated her time to being a Tourette youth ambassador. Actually, she's not even a youth anymore. Those days when she first began, it was when she was 14 years old. Gianna is now 19 years old, a sophomore in college, and she's here to educate you about what it's like to have Tourette's, to be able to understand a little bit more about how is it that we should be communicating when the people in our company are having ticks at the time that we're speaking with them and just making us more aware and more comfortable with what we might not be too familiar with. So welcome, Gianna. Hi, thank you for having me. It is such a pleasure. You are truly an inspiration to be able to say, okay, this is my life. These are some challenges. I'm going to embrace them and throw it out there is absolutely inspiring. Can you share with the listeners today, what made you become an ambassador for Tourette's? Um, I really just wanted more people to understand what it was and to explain what it's like um you know i remember when i was diagnosed you know i didn't know what it was you know my parents didn't know what it was and then as i got older like there were still some people who weren't sure what it was it's not like the most commonly known disorder so i wanted to be able to share what it was when i found out about the ambassador program um it's where i go to i go to schools and I educate other kids and teachers about what Tourette's is. You know, I give them the presentation, I explain what it is. And I just wanted to be able to do that because then I could help more people understand what it was, you know, especially like I do it for like younger kids too. So especially from like a younger age, they know what it is. So then when they grow up, they'll know what it is. They know more people know what it is. So then it will become um, more people know what it is because it's not the most commonly known disorder right now, but you know, um, me and the Tourette Association, you know, we're hoping like, as time, in time, like more, more and more people will understand what it is. Right, absolutely. Because then when we understand uh, what Tourette's is, we're able to communicate more effectively, right? So what would happen if, um, well, what kind of advice do you have if somebody is speaking with another person and they're starting to have these tics, as we call them, which we'll also explain to the listeners what they are. But what should the other person do while the person is having a tic? Yeah, so the person should really um, just ignore the fact that tics are happening. Just let the person tick and like finish that so they don't make them more nervous or anxious by pointing it out. Like, oh, hey, you're ticking or, oh, are you okay? Because then the person who has Tourette's will realize like, oh, they know what I'm doing. Um, I gotta, I should finish ticking or like, oh my God, they notice. And then it can make them more anxious and tick more. And so the best thing to do is really just to ignore it and to let them do the tick and then just continue with the conversation. Like nothing ever happened is honestly like the best way. Okay, that's very, it's great advice. So just continue with the conversation like it's not even happening because you're able to see and know what's going on around you yeah. as you're having this tick, right? Mm -hmm. So can you explain to the listeners what a tick is? So a tick is a, it's an involuntary, um, rapid, repetitive motion 
or sound that cannot be controlled. People with Tourette's have motor and vocal tics. Motor tics meaning um, it involves like the muscle, they're the movements a person makes and vocal tics obviously being involving your voice. There are sounds that people make and the person has no control over when they're going to happen over doing them, it just happens. And with Tourette's syndrome, are there different degrees of it, like mild, moderate, severe? Can you explain that to us? Yeah. Um, so there are some people who don't have Tourette's, they just have tick disorders, um, which would mean they only have like one or two ticks. They don't have a lot and like, um, some might not be as severe, like they might not be like the most noticeable ticks, or they might not be like the most involved ticks, and like some, and they might not happen that often. And other people um, could have them like very severely. You know, they're doing them constantly. Like there's no stopping point. They're just ticking and ticking, and there's not really a break point wow. for them. Um, but yeah, um, so to um, and also to be diagnosed with Tourette syndrome, you have to have two or more motor tics and one vocal tic for at least a year. So if a person just has like one tic, it's not technically Tourette syndrome; it's a tic disorder, but it's it's the same thing. Um, it's the same type of involuntary movement. It's just that they only have maybe the, if I'm understanding this right, they just have the, maybe one of those three where there's, for Tourette syndrome, it's diagnosed with two motor tics or involuntary movements and one vocal. Yes. Okay. So can you give us an example of what, um, like, motor tics look like? Uh, yeah, so motor tics, um... I do this with my shoulder a lot. I kind of do this. A lot of kids who have Tourette's have a lot of facial tics, like my what I'm doing with my eyes right now. And like a lot of kids also have like just like the blinking tics. Um, and you could have others. I do um, like I twist my hands around sometimes. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, other kids they could have like, you know, like severe ones where like, you know, it's like you can have like, where you need to like jump or like walk, like you could, you have ticks where like you have to stand up and like oh, okay. jump around. Um, you know, I've had a few leg ticks in the past. They weren't like that bad. They were kind of just like, I would just move my leg a little bit. Like some kids will have ticks where like, even if they're in the classroom, like they have to like stand up out of their chair and like yeah. do them. Um, so it depends, you know, there's like a wide range of like what. Yeah, what could happen, what those ticks might look like. Yeah. And can you tell our listeners what a vocal tick might sound like? <laughs> so that. You know, uh, <laughs> you <know this> one. <laughs> Thanks for that. <laughs> uh, yeah, like, like noises like that. Coughing is actually a big one. I, I oh. used to have that. Like sometimes I cough and it's like, I don't actually have to cough. It's kind of like a tick. Okay. Uh, and those would be honest, those are like less severe vocal tics. You know, the more severe ones would honestly be like having to say um, like words or like phrases. Like sometimes kids have um like a thing where they have to like say like a full sentence, but like, you know, like right. not like quietly, but they have to like say it and you know, um, you know, just so like with Tourette's, you know, on when you see it on TV and stuff, you know, a lot of people think it's just cursing and stuff or like that. Um, and that is uh, only about less than 10% of the people who have Tourette's hmm. have like a tick where they have to curse, but that is a vocal tick, you know, having to say words like that. But there's, um, a lot of people think that's just what Tourette's is. It's just, oh, you you curse and that's that's it. And that's that's not. It's become case. quite stereotypical in that way, yeah, I guess. It has the stereotype of being like the cursing disorder and like oh. everyone who has Tourette's, you know, they just, they curse. But I am less than 10% of the people who have Tourette's have a 
cur- a, a tick, a vocal tick, well, they'll, they'll say a curse word. And even the ones who do have that, you know, it's not, it's not a joke, you know, it's like, they don't want to be saying what they're saying. It's just like, they have to do it. So in your opinion, Gianna, how do we get other kids? Because kids can be kind of hard on one another. (laughs) How do we gain empathy and compassion within kids who don't understand and they're saying, oh, that looks weird. Or why is she saying that? Or what do we do? What can we say to them? Just say, I mean, I would say like, they can't control it or um, what I always think, like when people, when I'm like out in public and people are like staring at me and I look at them and I'm like, I always wonder, like, are they thinking like, does it look like I want to be doing this? So I would say to someone like, you know, they probably can't help it. You know, it doesn't, it looks uncomfortable. They probably don't want to be doing it. Right. I, the best right. way tell kids and you know um what I do when I give presentations you know that's the point of them is to educate children so they do know what it is and it's surprising you know after um even if I'm giving the presentation for uh, for second graders you know by the end of the presentation they have like a general understanding that it's like they people with Tourette's they can't control it and you shouldn't make fun of them for it um and they really understand it so what kind of activities do you do during these presentations to raise other students' awareness of what Tourette's is, what it feels like to have Tourette's? How do you educate them in that way? Um, so we actually do this activity where we give them a piece of paper and we tell them that it takes the average person 90 seconds to write the Pledge of Allegiance. So we tell them that we're going to be timing them 90 seconds and they're going to have to write down the Pledge of Allegiance, but we give them ticks while they're doing it. So we tell them that uh, whoever's instructing and every time the instructor claps, they have to stop writing and like tap their pen to the desk because, you know, those can be ticks. Like it can happen while you're writing. And um, then we also tell them that every third word that they write, they cross out and rewrite it because another thing with Tourette's, you know, OCD and ADHD are common. So kids often have to like they feel like if something doesn't look right on paper, they have to like rewrite it and they or they trace over it a lot or I doodle on my paper a lot. So we tell them about that and we tell them um, so we give them two ticks. We tell them every third word you, you write down, you're going to cross out and every time I clap, you're gonna tap your pen to the desk, like with, with, with the hand you're writing with, so you have to stop writing to tick. And then once we clarify that, we set the timer for 90 minutes and we have them do it. And then the instructor is also pretending to be a teacher, like giving out like a homework assignment or something. And then when the 90 seconds are up, we tell them to stop. And we say, we like, we make a joke. We're like, okay, who finished? Like who finished writing the entire pledge? And all the kids are like, what do like they and the point is to show them like you can't finish like it, it the, the ticks get in the way you know of like schoolwork and like you know like they there are kids who are like i like didn't get past one sentence and then uh i go oh and do you remember the homework assignment i gave you and they're like i didn't even realize you were talking because you know they're and that's what happens when you tick, you know, like the, sometimes you get so focused on the tick, you know, if the teacher's talking, you kind of tune it out or you miss what they say. And like, so we, um, we do, we show the kids what it's like and we ask them, you know, how'd you feel after that? And they're like, that was frustrating. That was stressful. And we're like, yeah. and I'm like, yeah, well, that's, that's what it's like. <laughs> um, stressful. But yeah, that, that's an activity that we do to like, to, it's like a, a hands-on activity, you know, to show them like, what it really is like. Janet, what's the best practices or the best way to teach students who have Tourette syndrome? To teach them. Um, <laughs> right? Should they give them some freedom to, to do what they have to do without being judged? Is it, do they have to watch the way that they, they you know, pace? Like, what are some strategies that would help them to learn? Yeah, I mean, I have... Um... I've been in special ed classes since I was diagnosed. Um, 
you know, I would always get extended time on like tests and quizzes and stuff because, you know, the activity, you know, it's like I have to stop and tick sometimes. And, you know, I also have ADHD and so I, I lose focus very easily. So I, you know, I have an IEP, I get extended time on everything, which is one way to help because kids with Tourette's, like they just need a little extra time to do things. And, um, you know, even when we have to write down notes in a classroom, like the teacher will put something up on the smart board and they're like, okay, copy this down. You know, I can't copy it down in time before they change the next slide. So I usually either ask them when uh, at the end of the all the slides, you know, hey, can you go back or I have the teachers, they can usually print out the notes like their whole, they can print out their whole smart board presentation and they give it to me so they're like, you can copy the notes you, that you miss on your own time. And, and that helps because um, because I always would feel bad when like everyone else in the class would finish and I'd be like, hey, can you go back or can you can you keep the slide on for a second? And all the other kids were done and they're like, what are we doing? Why can't we move on to the next slide? And I was just like, oh my God. Um, now, you, so, now you get nervous. That's yeah, probably not helpful. Get worse. And then it takes longer to write everything down. So having the copy of the notes can help. Um, and honestly, just if the teacher's aware of it, you know, like the teachers, they knew I had Tourette's, they knew I was special ed. So if I was like, can you keep the slide on for a second or I need more time? They they knew why they were like, okay, yeah. And, um, so for them to be patient. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to really be able to manage their classroom in terms of who's ready to go to the next slide and yet who's not and how to really balance that so time management, I would imagine, is really important for teachers to keep in mind when teaching a specific lesson. Right? Yeah, especially in like the special ed classrooms, you know, there's like the one main teacher and then there's like the other teacher who's like the teacher for the special ed students, you know, and they're the, the other students in the class, some of them might be slow on the slides also, and it's not because of Tourette's, it's just they, they're mm -hmm. zoning out, they have other issues, but yeah, for the teacher to watch and make sure like who's finished who's not there have been times where I was like keeping my head down I was writing down the notes and then I looked up and I like when I was done and I saw that the teacher saw I was the only one still writing so she was like waiting for me to like continue and I was like I like it was like nice but I was like oh my god I didn't mean to like hold up the whole class like I didn't even notice that she was waiting because I had my head down writing the notes but yeah being patient like waiting keeping an eye on like who's done, who's still writing stuff down, who's still working, you know, that's important. Yes, and that patience that the teacher models will be an example for the other students too, to be patient as well. Yeah. So you are a college sophomore with some really, really special goals. Can you talk to us about your college experience even your very first experience as a freshman, please. <laughs> um, so last year, the college I was originally at, I'm, I'm a music ed major, and the college I was originally at, they cut the music and arts program. So I had to transfer after last year, and I had to, like, you know, scramble to, like, re-audition because as music, any music major, you know, you have to audition and there's certain songs you have to prepare and like you have to, you know, go in front of the judges and like perform. And so having to figure out what songs I had to pick and while still getting my like schoolwork to finish up the year at that school was very stressful. And, you know, then like, you know, getting the acceptance letters and the rejection letters from colleges and then having to pick what college I was going to transfer to. And, you know, I graduated high school in 2020. So like, you know, COVID and everything that was like pretty hard too. And like, it was stressful, like picking a college then. And, you know, I found my college, you know, I was there and I thought I was done. And then having it, having to do it all again, like the very next year was so stressful. And I was like, I can't believe I'm doing this all over again. I, I literally had just done this um so my tics have definitely gotten worse you know the stress from that and you know covid and stuff that has definitely made them a lot worse 
um, the past year, I would say. Yeah, COVID is uh, really affecting a lot of people. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you did tell me why you wanted to become a music education major. Would you like to share that? It's so special. Uh, yeah, so um, another thing with Tourette's and um, kids who have other neurological disorders, you know, uh, medication like helps, you know, that that's like important. But honestly, also music, music is like, it's relaxing, you know, and I've always listened to it when I was younger, it, it calmed my tics down. And I think like even people who don't have a disability, you know, when people get stressed, they listen to music because it's calming and it's relaxing. So I wanted to be able to use that to help other kids who have like uh, Tourette's like me or other neurological disabilities, similar um, Tourette's is on the autism spectrum. So that like, you know, kids who are autistic um, and have ADHD and OCD and just the disorders like on the autism spectrum, you know, it can really help them too. So I wanted to be a teacher to to like show them like you, you can um you can use this to help you also you know you don't just need medication right right and that's that's absolutely wonderful and being that you know how they're feeling will have such a tremendous positive impact yeah um i think that's why i wanted to teach also because i was you know always a person sitting in a classroom and you know I always had some teachers who like it didn't seem like they understood it that well and I was like I want to be the teacher who understands you know for my students I want to be in there and for them to be like hey I know exactly like how you're feeling and what you're going through and yeah I, that's another reason why I want to be a teacher because I think that'll really help because I do understand what they're going through. Absolutely I, I can't wait to to speak to you when you're doing your student teaching you get into that classroom and you're helping those kids right out of the gate so excited for you so besides music is there anything else that relaxes you or kind of tames the ticks a little bit um cbd oil i've started okay. to take um is that helping you yeah that 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 honestly that calms me down for like a little bit um and you know i i am on medication you know for anxiety and adhd because Tourette's can be like very anxiety based so like having medicine to manage my anxiety can help the tics yeah. go down a little bit um you know i'm just i mean people who have Tourette's like all different things make uh help the tics you know i love music and I love singing because I don't tick when I sing, you know, I'm so, my, I, I get so focused on singing, you know, like, it's like, I forget to tick and, you know, other people who have Tourette's, they might have something like that, you know, maybe it, it is also singing or like playing an instrument, playing a sport, like anything um, that can get you like really, really focused. And, it, you know, obviously it has to be something you enjoy, otherwise you're not like focused on it, but you, you don't tick if you're like really focused on something you're doing that you really enjoy. And then when you stop maybe singing or when someone stops playing that sport, do they make up for lost time? Or how is that in terms of their ticks? Because then it stops for a while. Yeah. Um, sometimes it could be like making up for lost time. Like, oh my God, I just did that. Oh, I wasn't ticking. And like, sometimes it could just be like your brain isn't focused on that anymore and there it like remembers to tick and then you just start ticking again and then like once you start ticking again like after that like you realize it's like oh i wasn't ticking when i was doing that because like you like once you realize it starts up again you realize it wasn't happening before oh really yeah, yeah. like I've, I've had that happen to me a few times like when they start up i was like oh i'm ticking again i was like Oh, I wasn't I wasn't ticking before when I was just doing that other thing I was doing, you know, it's <laughs> Yeah, that's that's so interesting. You wouldn't really think that, sure, because I guess your body at the time, and correct me if I'm wrong, but if you're not ticking, your body is relaxed. Yeah, your body is relaxed or your your brain is 
forgetting to do it because it, I mean it's it's so focused on whatever else you're doing it's kind of forgetting to send the right. message to tick yeah do you get tired or do do people get tired after a while if they have especially motor you know yeah absolutely um <laughs> you, you know it, it can be very tiring and especially if you have to do it the tick a few times in a row and then um Oh, if you have OCD along with it, does that affect with, Yeah, and you have to keep constantly doing it. And then, you know, by the end of the day, your muscles get sore from doing it. Like, I'll be laying in bed and I'm like, oh, I didn't realize I was ticking so much today. But then, like, you can feel it. Like, you feel how sore, like, your muscles can get. And, like, that happens to a lot of kids with Tourette's, you know, when they're going to get ready for bed and they're just, like, they're laying in their bed. They're relaxed, but you can feel... It's like you worked out all day. Yeah, like you can you can feel like the the toll it like took on your body and it's yeah. like yeah. Wow, do they do they do anything? Is there anything to do for that? I mean, a lot of massages, maybe some nice baths, a little Epsom salts. Yeah, I, I I used to have a tick I would do with like my neck and it it would hurt my neck after a while, so my parents got me a neck massager. Um <laughs> love your parents <laughs> yeah yeah um i don't know what other kids do for it. yeah i mean the harsh reality yeah comes along with it i guess too yeah um yeah i guess just like i don't know i must i'll massage like yeah i'm it, you can massage or like you know um it, it, once you fall asleep, you know, like you don't feel it anymore, obviously. So you're going to bed anyway. But like, you know, sometimes like a lot of kids who have Tourette's um, have sleeping disorders also. So it can be very hard to fall asleep, especially if they also have ADHD because, you know, your mind is like constantly racing, you know, like it it doesn't shut off. And so you're like constantly thinking about stuff. And even if you are tired, like I have. I take melatonin almost like every night before I go to bed because I cannot fall asleep. And you know, like it doesn't matter how tired I am, I just I can't go to sleep or I'm like, I guess I'm thinking about something or I'm stressed about something and I'll go to bed at like nine, ten o'clock and I, I'll look at the clock and it'll be like midnight already and I was like, I'm still oh, I oh, need goodness. Yeah, it it like it can take a while and like that that's that's the point where I like take the melatonin I'm like I need to fall asleep you know I have school tomorrow I have something tomorrow and I went to I went to bed and I shut the lights off like two hours ago and I'm still wide awake and I don't and I'm tired and I want to fall asleep but I can't so I'm gonna take medication goes on and on <laughs> yeah <laughs> I think you have some actually really good information here for educators and teachers in the classroom so something as 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 much as if you have a student who has some involuntary movements who's coughing because we could think maybe it's allergies maybe they're fighting a cold um to take a take a look at that really monitor know your students yeah the fact that they you know what some of these students may not be sleeping very well maybe they're working even slower because of so many factors it sounds like maybe they didn't sleep well the night before so now they're tired their muscles can be very sore right so yeah. down in progress when now we've got all that now if one of the students are feeling like i'm falling behind everybody now they're getting nervous when they're feeling nervous we need to help them alleviate some of that anxiety i think as educators we need to say and provide that that classroom climate where I'm going to set you up and support you and time's not going to be a factor here. As long as you're putting in the effort the best that you can, I'm going to give you those those worksheets and those PowerPoint and the extra time. And, and, and really what I do a lot with my clients and my students is breathing techniques. Teaching kids to breathe when they're just starting to feel uptight or nervous or frustrated, I think is so important. Is that something that you do sometimes to purposely breathe? Yeah, breathing and like meditation. Yeah. And yeah, I really wish like more schools would do that because um, 
I've heard of some schools, like, you know, they start off, like, the first 15 minutes of the day, you know, like, there are schools around the country that, like, they do, like, a 15-minute, like, breathing or meditation, like, activity before, like, the day really starts, you know, like, when the morning announcements comes on and you say, like, the pledge, and then, like, after that, they're, like, just, let's, like, you meditate for a few minutes, and I think that helps the kids, you know, get ready for the day, because it calms them down, and then they feel ready to start the day. And yeah, I wish like, you know, it, it'd be helpful if like more schools did that or just like recognize like the stress level, you know. So you use meditation as a way to keep calm? Uh, sometimes like, I mean, I guess not as much as I should. I really, I listen to music. That's more my, yeah, my meditation, but my, um, my parents, they want me to meditate more or like my mom does yoga in the morning and she's like oh that might help you and I'm like I don't know that kind of might stress me out a little more to like have to stand still and like a yoga pose but I mean it works for other people it so does. I understand <laughs> totally get it totally get it yeah no yoga can be great for people but you're right sometimes the idea of that could be stressing <laughs> out <laughs> I get it I get it so you, so your parents took you to your doctor when you were eight years old because they had some concerns. Janet, can you talk to like the parents out there listening who might have some concerns for their child? Um, you know, what that experience was like and how your parents support you. Talk to the parents. Yeah, um, I was diagnosed when I was eight years old, but I think I really started showing symptoms when I was like six or seven and my parents, you know, they were kind of like, what is this? They got concerned and they would take me to doctors. And um, like some of the doctors, they don't even know or they don't even want to admit it. Like, I, I mean, I think even when I was like younger than that, like my mom took me to doctors cause I think she could tell there was something wrong cause I was doing things that seemed a little unusual. And the doctors, they, would, they were just like, oh, it's fine. You know, she'll grow out of it, which is honestly, most kids who have Tourette's aren't diagnosed to like five, six, seven, eight, because a lot of time, like the parents and doctors, when they're like, when the child is so young, they think, oh, well, they're just, they're, they're a kid. Like, you know, like there's no, like, they're just, they're, they're a kid, you know? So it's like, oh, they'll grow out of it, whatever they're doing. It's like, if you have a baby, it's like, why are they doing anything that they're doing? So they're like, oh, they'll, they'll grow out of it. It'll be fine. And that's why it takes a while. Cause it's you, most people, most kids who are, do have an actual diagnosis of Tourette's they see multiple doctors before they can get the diagnosis because wow. some of the they don't know what it is or some of them don't want to jump to the conclusion or like worry the parents or really like getting the diagnosis would just it, it help because you know if I was diagnosed a little sooner that would have helped me you know um when I was in second grade and I started uh, doing like vocal tics and stuff, you know, my teacher was like, what are you doing? Like, what's wrong? And she was, she would get like annoyed, like I wasn't paying attention. And I was, you know, like now I know I was ticking, but I didn't know that she didn't know that. And it was, it was stressful. And all the other kids in the class were like, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? And I was like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know why I'm doing this. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's so, probably a lot of kids out there right now. Yeah. Feeling the same way. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> so now what and you know it's, it's crazy because um you know once I got diagnosed and even now like I'll like think back to when I was younger like before I was diagnosed and like even now I'm still like oh my god like that's why I did that when I was younger like it's like it's crazy how much like you don't like you I, I didn't realize you know at the time I was doing it or like why I was but now I'm thinking back and I'm like that's why I was doing it and I didn't know why at the time or like maybe I didn't even realize I was doing it and I'm like oh because like you know I can think back now and think like my symptoms started like you know earlier but I wasn't diagnosed till I was like eight yeah so yeah like I mean I guess for parents you know um just like if it seems like it's if it seems like um a problem that's not going away you know if, mm -hmm going to a doctor, you know, that could be really helpful. Cause like, if you can get it diagnosed as early as you can, then you could, you know, learn and figure out what to do. And then also the kid, like your child will know, like, even if they don't understand it completely, you know, like when I was eight years old, I was just like, 
I was like, what is that? But then they, my parents were just like, oh, you do things you can't control. And I was like, oh, that makes sense because I do do that. So thank you for that. Thank you for telling me that. You're right. I can't control. Thank you for understanding. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it, to, if, um, to get diagnosed as early as possible is really helpful for like the parents and for the child because the child can under, they have, um, they like, they know why they're doing what they're doing now and the parents can figure out how to treat it. You know, what's the best way? Do we put them on medication? Do we do another type of treatment? And how do we, we have to let the teachers know they might need a little extra help. Um, I, I tell you, um, really getting the schools and the parents on board. You, if your second grade teacher was educated in Tourette's syndrome, she might have been able to go to your parents, or even if you said you think it was happening even before then. So let's just say even your first grade teacher, yeah, some of those signs, they might have been able to say, "Hey, listen, this is what I'm seeing in the classroom. I think Gianna, you should take Gianna to the pediatrician." and see what he or she says about it. Yeah, uh, I think actually my mom told me, I think my my preschool teacher, I think noticed it. My preschool teacher pulled my mom aside and was like, you know, I think she has Tourette's. And my mom was like, really? I don't know. And like, my mom wasn't sure at the time. And um, I guess she might've taken me to my pediatrician. Like sometimes they don't even know, like I didn't get diagnosed until I went to a neurologist. Like those are really the, those are the doctors who will be able to diagnose like this is what it is it's Tourette's it's ADHD it's OCD if you go to just like your regular doctor they might not understand or they might not think to they might think of it like it might not they might think it's something else but like if you go to you if you go to a neurologist or another like specialist they'll they'll be able to like know for sure what it is yep and diag and with that diagnosis then, like you said, then we can educate the parents and the teachers, and then and then the students and the kids. They yeah. when, I, when I was diagnosed, I had my parents come into my third grade classroom and they like told the kids like what it was, you know, in like the simplest way possible. I think yeah. they they there was they had like there was like this children's book or something about like a kid who had Tourette's and it was just like oh well why are you doing that? It's like I can't control it and it's just that was like the best way to. Yes. All the kids and then from like third grade, like, you know, like everyone, all the kids in like my class, they like went and told the other kids in the other classrooms and then everyone knew. And then, you know, it was stressful then when I got to middle school, because then there were kids from other elementary schools who didn't know. So then I was like, I have to do this all over again. And like, <laughs> yeah, I've just become an ambassador. It's like I got practice doing this anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's, it's really absolutely, absolutely it's Inspiring. Um, is there anything else that you think our listeners today need to know or should know? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I've been mentioning like special ed a lot and, you know, like um, teachers should be giving kids like more, you know, more time and more patience. You know, I've been in special ed like the entire time I've been in school and, and in, uh, in middle school, you know, there's um, there's always like the extra teacher in the room but then sometimes there's also like one class that's like just that special ed teacher who works with the special ed students and you know since most of the kids in the grade like don't have that 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 can't be like an extra period in the day so they the school says like well we have to pull them out of one class then so they can do that and for my middle school it was my music class so they pulled me out of my music class to take that special ed class wow. and yeah and i know i was so upset about that so honestly like for a while i like i didn't like the fact that i needed the special ed you know like i resented it and i like would like all you know all my special ed teachers like you know i get that they were trying to help uh, when they were like hey are you okay i just be like like yeah i'm fine like you know right. so um, like, I don't know, for special ed teachers, like, you know, like listening to the podcast, like, um, the kids are smart, you know, like they know that they are disabled. They know that like, there is a, 
a second teacher in the room helping them and only them they they know that they're different from the other kids in the class so they they resent it so like like certain teachers you know like even though they're trying to help the kids like they might not want it like because you know like I know I didn't want it like I knew I needed it but at the same time I was like I don't want this I I so like that's I don't that can be hard for like the teachers I guess I don't know because some kids they will like resent the the fact that they need the help even though they do need it so I mean if like teachers could be like aware of that like you know like the students understand they need help they understand that they're Right. they're disabled that they have an IEP they have other things like they have they need a little extra but it's like they don't want it because they don't want to like be in front of the whole class like the whole class is watching you know like the teacher just go up to that one kid all the time or just like the few kids who are the special ed kids in the classroom and you know like the, the other kids in the class you know like after time like they realize like they they can tell who the kids who need the special help are because the kids who don't need it they're like well why is there a second teacher in the classroom and then they they figure out why and it can be like it you can you can feel weird after like you don't want to feel different you don't yeah. want to feel different you want to feel like you know when i got this but yeah i feel like oh i kind of still need the help but I think it comes to really the teacher and the student connecting, coming up with a plan together. Listen, I'm here for you. I know that you're struggling with this, but this is what we could do. What can I do for you that makes you feel like you are being the best you possible? Yeah, and I, I had a, like I, I had special ed teachers who did that for me, and you know, I had some who didn't, but I was always like like i'll come to you if i need help like i don't need you to come over to my desk like every single time you see me doing something and be like oh, are you okay or did you did you get all those notes like i was like you know like i would i would raise my hand and call the teacher over if i needed help or i would go up to them after class um you know yeah because like there are some teachers you know and like i, I knew they like you know like they mean well you know when they come over to you but i'm just like i'll, I'll come to you if i need help you know <laughs> having a plan Sounds like yeah. having a plan is really important. Mm -hmm. Knowing what your student needs, the the student knowing what you need, what what he or she needs, and talking about that with the teacher mm -hmm. can really minimize that feeling of I'm different and I don't like it. Yeah. What I'm hearing from you is when you did feel that and you were pulled out of the classroom um you you put your head down for those for those listeners who are listening on the podcast and can't see us you put your head down like you know i, I don't i really don't need the help right now or kind of i did I, I did that when i wasn't in when i knew i was like supposed to be in my music class and i was oh. like i'm here i literally i just put my head on the desk and my teacher's like okay we're gonna do this i was like yeah okay whatever i was like i was like i don't want to be doing this right now i don't want to be here and there were like <laughs> there were some times where I would I would go to the, my music class and not the other class and then I would go into the next period and my teacher was like where were you and I was like oh I went to music instead and she was like why you need to be here and I was like I don't want to be here so I went to the other class <laughs> right so you're not benefiting because you felt so strongly about that about music and how you it resonated with you you weren't getting the benefits of that support service, which sounds like was it a resource room period? Yeah, it was. It was a it was a resource room in sixth grade, and then like a study skills in seventh and eighth grade. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, and like you know, and I just I was just like because you know most of the kids in the grade, you know, they're in their music classroom, they're having fun, and then I was like, I'm stuck here doing like. Though those classes, you just like you relearn what you already learned in another class before, you know, the special ed teachers like, well, I think you guys were having trouble with this yesterday. So I think we're going to work on this again. And I was like, if I had trouble with that, like, I, I would have asked you about it. Or I'll come to extra help during lunch. I was like, why do I need to be in this yeah. class? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. And when that was already built in your schedule, probably as a support, it's now causing you frustration and angst and anxiety. Because, yeah, um, 
Cause then I always said, I was like, you know, yeah, okay. I get, you're trying to help me. But like, I was like, music is what helps me. And you're like, not letting me do that. You're taking that away. You're like, you're, it was causing more problems than it was. Yes. Trying to help. <laughs> yes. yes. And we really need to listen to kids. Mm -hmm. Music is what helps me. I mean, when, when a student says something like that, then we need to go back. And that's something for the parents too. So if the teachers don't have that power to change that schedule, then the parents can schedule a meeting to say, hey, listen, music in this case, take her out of something else or rotate it. Let's yeah. see what we can do. But yeah. music is what helps her. I did. I had those meetings a lot because I, I got... <laughs> I got really mad at my mom because in sixth grade, uh, like she didn't know, you know, she didn't know about like the inclusion classrooms where you had the special, the second teacher. Cause I didn't have that in elementary school. Like I was just kind of pulled out for like other things, but there, I wasn't in a class in elementary school where I had a second teacher. And then once my mom realized that was like a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Self-contained and, and CWC or inclusion. Yeah. yeah. I, I was never in self-contained. It was, yeah. it, it was like, it was the inclusion classes, but she didn't know that was a thing. And then once I was in middle school and like, she realized it, so I was already in music class for like a little bit and then she realized she was like oh well my daughter needs to be in this and then they pulled me out of it and I was like what did you just do I was like what did you do like put me back in that class and I freaked out and like she had a meeting with the school and the school was like you know like the teachers they're like oh well you know like she's special ed you know like she needs this and we had like a lot of those meetings and then eventually we did kind of like rotate it they were like you can go two days a week and like the other three days you go to the study skills class but then there were times where i would go to music and then i would like go back in the study skills class the next day and they're like okay so remember yesterday when we did this or like i would be in the music class and to only be in there two days a week when every other kid is there every day like it, you can't catch mm -hmm. up at, like in oh, both yeah. both classes like the music and the study skills i i couldn't catch up so after a while i was like because then um you know and other kids in my music class they were like i didn't tell them why i like was only coming two days a week because i was kind of like embarrassed and then they all just thought i was like a bad kid and they thought i was like oh, no. they thought i was cutting because i wasn't there every day so if i asked for help they were like uh well you weren't here yesterday and they assumed it was because i yeah you know, and then, you know, I would go to study skills and I'd be like, hey, you know, I need help with this. And my teacher would be like, well, we did this yesterday when you weren't in class. And, you know, it, it, so it, 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 time, people were not on the same page for you. Yeah. Like we like, and like what you said, you know, like you said, like, oh, like you could alternate, like, and that's like, did like that, that's what we ended up doing. But like, that's sometimes hard too, because like, you know, when all the other kids are in like that class every day and you're only there, like, every other day, it can be hard to catch up. So in and your opinion, what's the best scenario? How do we how do we try and solve this? <laughs> Still giving the support or students the support that they might need. And might is, you know, they might get that unit or that concept, so they don't need it at that moment. But next week, they might need that study skills class or the resource room for certain skills. So what's the solution here? What's the best case scenario? I mean, for me, I um, I went to extra help during lunch, or I would do like morning extra help or stay after school. Okay. You know, I mean, I think if like students, I would have worked that out with their teachers. And I mean, I mean, it was just like it was for me. It was music, but I mean, like a lot, most like the other kids in the study skills class, like they didn't seem to care. So like they were okay being there. Like I think it depends on the kid. You know, if the if the the student is being pulled out of a class they like to take the special ed of, like to talk with the parents and the teachers to work something out maybe another class or maybe just say hey like come in after school or before school or come see me during lunch like come see me on your time and i'll help you um go over this because like the study skills class like you know like they can't have multiple a day like they just right you know because then um Cause then I would get a note. Cause also that, then I, I also had AIS and like, that was like during study hall and, you know, gym alternated with study hall. And so, you know, like they were like, well, you can't miss gym. And I was like, but I can miss music like that. That's like, that made no sense to me. Yeah. 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 
and then like I wanted to be in study hall because I was like well I want to I want to do my homework now so I don't have to do it when I go home and then they were like well you need to go to AIS and so then there was like no time then like <sighs> it's boring knowing the student so yeah Although it might not work for every student, but when you have someone who's very conscientious and motivated such as yourself and knowing, and, and you, you have the ability to know what you need. And you yeah. have, you probably, sounds like you've had that maturity along with you as a student going through the grades, yeah. <laughs> right? So that way that's an asset. Yeah, so I, I knew what I needed, like as I got older, as I got to high school and like, mm -hmm. you know, now I'm in college and I have an IEP, but, the college professors, they're like, they're like, if you need something, you you let me know. Like as you get older, like I know what oh. I need at this point, so I can say that. You know, when I was when I was younger, when I was in middle school, my mom was like, no, you need this. Like I know what you need, and I'm like, I was like, no, like you don't. But and we we would we would argue about it, and I would argue about it with my teachers. I was like, I don't want to be doing this, or like I was like I'll be, I was like I need this, and they're like, well, it says on your IEP that like you right. get. I was like, I know what I need. Like you don't you don't know what I need. You know you think you know you think based on whatever like my parents are saying what's on my IEP or like what you know in like general, but it, you don't. Kids know, like it, like they know what kids know. Yes, yeah, and and I think we need to value that and and have a conversation with them and really together come up with what the best plan is, especially when uh, advocating for a student who is as aware and conscientious such as yourself. Yeah, <laughs> Gianna, you are absolutely an inspiration, folks. You just met Gianna the ambassador for Tourette syndrome, but so much more. She's gonna change lives. I can't wait to talk to Gianna again when we hear about how her college career is going and how she's going to continue on this path to really educate others, build their empathy and compassion, and really just help to make this world a positive place. Gianna, thank you so much for joining us today, sharing your story, your information. You are a wealth of knowledge for little kids and adults alike. Thank I want to thank you. Thank you so much for having me and like allowing me to share. It was our pleasure, truly. Hope to see you soon again, okay? Thank you. Keep smiling. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Student Success Beyond Expectations podcast, where school leaders, educators, and parents meet on behalf of children who struggle with learning. To bring workshops to your school or organization, contact Child Behavior Consulting and get started with resources available at childbehaviorconsulting.com, Amazon, and teacherspayteachers.com for ready-to-use resources and children's books. If you enjoyed this podcast, remember to review, subscribe, share, and give us a shout out on social media.